Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer, and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. Welcome to episode two of season two. Um, and this is the second part of the conversation with Yoli Maya Ye. So if you don't know about Yoli, you're going to get to know she is a powerhouse of a woman. And I give a full introduction to her and her work at the beginning of the last episode. So it might be worth you jumping and listening to that first if you haven't already. She's already given us an insight into her groundings, her spiritual traditions, her practice, and we've now got to the part of the story where she's become a mother and has realized that some things are going to need to change. So stay tuned and enjoy the rest of this conversation with Yoli Maya Yeh. So one of my main practices for self and others is yoga nidra right and yoga nidra is like the holodeck on the star trek ship it's a blank slate it's a playground Mm. and the technique is part of the body technology yoga nidra is a software and so once we understand the structure of the software then the invitation is to play Mm. and and we people of color we have this opportunity to reach into our ancestral bags of tricks where it's already our conceptualization that time is nonlinear. it's already our conceptualization that communication can be through dance art embodiment the act of spirit possession, the griot, the storyteller, the heyoka, the mm-hmm. sacred clown, mm-hmm. the, the one who teaches through play, through folly, through games, through enjoyment. Oh gosh, now we're talking about joy, pleasure, mm-hmm. sensuality, eroticism. And our tendency in this binary world is to then stick most of those things I just named into the world of the sacred yeah. feminine. But you must remember that every indigenous culture in the world gender is a spectrum Mm. it really is only a very recent colonialist construct that gender is 
binary that there are things that are the domain of the sacred feminine the domain of the sacred masculine and it it, it actually isn't that way it's fluid and so you know in its performative aspect it meaning the transformative justice that's the performance of it the embodiment what we need are the practices, the revival of the practices of our sacred dreaming, our sacred imagining. We need sci-fi. You know, <laughs> we need to be getting into dream states individually and collectively and imagining the technologies of the future, not in the sense of well, how do we pay for that? You know, <laughs> like, I don't see how we get there from here to there. That's politics. Mm. That is the realm of the white, cishet, male, able-bodied, Christian, wealthy, those five white men that, like, are still having their day, apparently running the world, but, you know, tick, tick, <laughs> time's up, guys. You know, like, I hate to break it to you. That's why they're grasping the way that they're grasping, mm. you know, and so... Nidra, sacred dreaming, imagination, play, you know, it's just so critically important that that's what we're inviting in. And then we do need therapeutic movement. We do need therapeutic exercise. We do need therapeutic healing. Mm. All of those systems have to be decolonized. Mm. We can't promote healing tools that promote the problem. The problem being the dynamic system of harm and oppression where this body, particularly the body of color, is simply just a capitalist commodity. And that's why all I, I look around and all I'm seeing are people of color killing it right now. Like it is <laughs> popping off in every direction. I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. And it's that sense of, you know, what reality are we actually tuning into? There is a sense of placing a lot of our attention and a lot of our energy into the physical reality that we find ourselves in. And then there is this sense of, okay, well, to be to be spiritual, I need to be less in the world, more an observer of the world. And, and for me, I found that kind of dichotomy really interesting to walk, especially going through motherhood, which in every essence pulls you to the present moment in a way nothing else does. And so there are times where I feel myself in this lofty space of, you know, imagination or reflection mm-hmm. and yet there is a toddler pulling on my on my sleeves by like mommy we need to eat bringing motherhood into this conversation now and bringing the real experience of being a provider of being a responsible and conscious parent to another and all that that brings with it how have you balanced that journey with the realities of raising a child how has that been for you I mean, not going to say that I've achieved any balance with it because it's definitely <laughs> a dynamic seesaw every day. Um, but motherhood has been um, a gift. It's something that when I was walking that traditional yogini path, 
I, I didn't think that that was something that I would take up. Motherhood was never um, a fantasy of mine. You know how like some young folks will grow up and, and they'll really have that fantasy of like, and they're going to be a mom and they're going to have like their kids. And I, I love that. I just knew like that wasn't me, you know, kind of thing. And so when I did receive this blessing of, of this pregnancy completely unplanned in any way, shape or form, um, I laughed my ass off <laughs> and, uh, and I was 33 and I'm 42 and my son is eight years old mm-hmm. and I had already lived four lifetimes at least by 33. I was so satisfied with life that I thought, you know what, this is going to be an amazing adventure. Wow. I had left my gurukul. I was no longer living in Yogini's robes. Um, I was no longer with my spiritual partner. I was a little aimless. I had also like lived abroad for 15 years. So, like aimless was the brand, you know, right. like it's all good. Mm-hmm. And you know, my mom to this day is like, what children do is they give you grounding. They give you a centering, they give you a purpose. She had my brother, uh, I think at 21, you know, so she was just like, yeah, that word, I gave real focus right there. 21 to 33, that's like two different stages of life, no matter what decade you're in. And so I embraced it and it just felt like the right thing to do. Now that didn't make it easy mm-hmm. to navigate the decision-making and the pressures, but I did, I believe that that self-contentment piece of, because so many women are having an experience of entering motherhood and they feel like being a mother stole their life away from them or it took something away from them. That's a deep hole of self-fulfillment. You know, that's like another kind of thing that has to be worked on and fulfilled because, Mm, you know, then entering motherhood or partnership or whatever is is not going to fill that hole if if that was your experience because I'm not saying that my experience is universal it it is unique to the life that I led Mm -hmm. you know saying Mm -hmm. that wow at 33 I felt really complete like there wasn't any adventure that I hadn't had yet that no matter what happened from there I wouldn't feel like now being a parent has you know like messed up my life or stolen away my freedom or anything like that i think that that mm-hmm. that is a really important narrative that we look at um and support women better on yes. if if that's wow. the narrative just kind of side note yeah. Yeah. so i ended up coming back to the west because it dawned on me day 1 uh, trimester 3 it was like a cloud lifting <laughs> i worked in six countries during my um your pregnancy during my pregnancy and it was all like leading adventure studies abroad so I mean like (laughs) me and this growing fetus we like trekked the (laughs) deserts of Jordan and climbed the waterfalls of Cambodia and we're bouldering in in India it was ridiculous looking back it was a big last hurrah you know Um, and so day one of third trimester, it was like this cloud lifted and all of a sudden I could think clearly. Mm. And I was not going to stay in India and have a baby at the water birthing center in South India. No, I was gonna go home (laughs) where I was supported and resourced. I ended up coming home and it was was a rough landing because I had to like 
quick get stuff organized. And then it's me and this baby, and six months in, I actually had a health crisis. I had an autoimmune condition that I was ignoring that went into remission, a Graves' disease, a hyperthyroid autoimmune condition that went into remission during pregnancy, which they, which Graves typically does. And then at six months, I had my first thyroid storm, and I was actually like disabled by it. And I had that clinical knowledge of like how to walk with people through their autoimmune journeys. And I had to laugh, you know, and be like, well, look at that girl. Like literally put your like, that- and so I just started my own protocol, you know, of like mapping symptoms, gathering information. And then essentially I went to sleep for two years and I basically went into Nidra with the baby for two years. No. Mommy, what do you mean? How? I ha- I just I went to sleep. <laughs> I I ch- I charged life on credit cards and I worked extremely minimally and we ate beans and rice and I went to sleep for 2 years. But guess what? I had this little baby. And you know what all babies want to do is they want to sleep and they want to be with you. So me and this baby went to sleep for 2 years. <laughs> oh, Amazing. And I practiced nidra. I had to take two-hour nidras every afternoon, one-hour nidras in the morning, and then the whole like night of sleep. I, I had a baby that slept, so that was that was helpful. We co-slept, wow. and the truly me and the baby slept for two years until I could cultivate enough like yin energy. Yeah substance because I had basically burned up all the yin hitting life too hard and so I I burned out the battery my symptoms were so bad I literally was going to die and I had this little newborn baby I said well that's not fair to the baby you know that's definitely not gonna be fair to my mom you know (laughs) that'd be raising a baby like that can't happen you know so I was like scrap that scenario let me use this knowledge let me use this system and so I remember the day that I, uh, I gained five pounds and I would, was dancing in the kitchen because that showed me that my body was no longer burning in this extreme metabolic situation. I mean, I, I looked horrible. I was gaunt. You could see all my bones. I couldn't build muscle. Wow. Couldn't hold any muscle because we just burn up. And um, it was an extreme thing. And, you know, the, the, the doctors that I went to that, you know, I didn't, I didn't work with them, but I just sort of checked the boxes, you know, they were just like, oh my God, like you need to like poison yourself with this medication. You need to, uh, you know, irradiate your thyroid and then we're just going to take it out and we're going to put you on synthetic. This and, that, and I was just like, yeah, but you know, it's documented in your literature, your medical literature that the, the source of Graves' disease is um, a leaky gut. Mm-hmm. How do you guys treat the leaky gut? How do you heal? How to, you know, like, so I had to use naturopathy, chiropractic, Chinese medicine. And it, it was funny because I couldn't, I still couldn't understand the concepts. So I literally had to go to Chinese medicine school to finally understand like what yin was. I had, I couldn't even conceptualize it. I was so young, you know, but all along is this baby, right? That's now growing in this intimacy with me on this healing journey and keeping, giving me a present moment focus, keeping me in the day-to-day present moment 
and being like, well, I got to respond. I, I have to get out of the bed. I have to, I guess I have to feed this, this person. And so it wasn't all the lofty yogini practices and all the stuff that everybody wants to know how to do and all the kundalini tundalinis and no, it was nidra. It was therapeutic movement. It was going back to like vipassana meditation. Yes. It was all the simple, simple, most practices that were part of my healing. And then slowly, and, and, and it was parallel. Now the baby's a toddler and just again, being present. So my son and I have this incredible closeness and interweaving of a healing journey. Yes, And I believe that he chose me as a parent, not because of whatever spiritual path I may put him on, but because he was part of my healing from in the womb. Wow. Yeah. So he and I are on a whole interwoven embodied thing. And so it's actually really interesting how I'll even see things manifest of like him taking my stuff on and then I turn around and help him see the difference between his stuff and my stuff. And then he has his healers and nowadays he's brilliant. He'll be like, I need to go see Dr. So-and-so, you know, like his chiropractor or his healer. He lets me know, Wow. you know, and how he maps his symptoms. The crux of of motherhood and parenting for me Mm -hmm. to be, again, in that intersection of like indigenous way, because I raise him in an indigenous way. Mm -hmm. It's really about role modeling. Yes. Whatever you are showing them, that is what they will do. As people of color, what we know is it's really about role modeling for our children, how we thrive amidst oppression. Mm-hmm. how we hold on to our traditions even when the white complex has made it illegal for us to speak our languages dance our dances and express our rituals you know how we persevere and that's why it's the craziest shit that these same people are turning around and taking what we were able to keep of our practices through their programs of genocide and erasure and still try to steal our stuff, put a trademark stamp on it, commodify it, and sell it back to us. That's why we have to teach our own. Like we have to center and prioritize people of color as people of color because the white capitalist complex is unbelievable mm-hmm. how it continues to center itself. And so the parenting is everything. So I got to tell you right now, I'm like, I am not understanding Parent Teacher Association. I started a restorative justice series at our school last year. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my work, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing my work. We're trying to reconcile the equity work we've been doing as a community mm-hmm. and the fact that there's no equitable option for the families of color and the disadvantaged families in the community in an e-learning model. Mm. Because our pandemic status right now is it, it no it's not safe to put a whole bunch of people in a school building it's just mm-hmm. simply not mm-hmm. and so 
here we are trying to reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. And in my imagination, I'm just all like black indigenous dream work imagination, like future sci-fi. I'm like, why don't we just jump to the future? Why don't we create an educational system that is small in its pods that utilizes as much outdoor space as possible and reimagines how parents, teachers, and schools, and our children work together. Because that's what got totally like volcano earthquake shell-shocked with school being abruptly closed and sent in the home that all of a sudden parents had to be educators and they didn't know how to do that because of the simple understanding that it's through role modeling. So all we really have to do right now, we don't need to be thinking about how we're going to run math class at home. We need to be thinking about how we're role modeling how you respond in crisis. Mm. And what I'm role modeling for my community and my family is we reach into our healing justice toolkit. With so much of what you've described, you know, even just going back to the description of your entrance into motherhood and the profound awakening that that was for you on a mind, body, soul level. And then the knowing that the way to respond was to rest and to enter into a deep relaxation, almost checking out of all of the everyday Mm -hmm. stuff that keeps us so busy that then we don't have the space for the body and and for the spirit to actually do its work and so that when I heard that I was like first of all I salute you because doing that alongside raising a small child is no small feat especially in and not in a partnership at that time but then also the descriptions that you've given about the ways that you've responded to the crisis now and the ways that you imagine this future of co-parenting, working, learning, teaching, living. There is still a question, and this may be the kind of old paradigm kind of showing its way through, but there is a question around the fact that a lot of people are denied or feel like they're denied the opportunities to, to rest, first of all, to actually find practitioners and being able to afford the kind of alternative healing modalities that are not free and so in a way what you're describing is still feels like like a privileged experience because you are in a position where you have the resources and the choices and the options and you've created and crafted a life in which you've been able to respond in this way and there are loads of people who find themselves still having to switch onto a computer eight hours a day or, you know, show up in a way where they're giving a lot of their energy and life force to something outside of the home to maintain their structures of living, to maintain their well-being, to maintain the bills, to maintain their homes. So how can we move from that feeling of limitation and potentially disproportionate access to, to knowledge and to resources and this way of life that you so beautifully express and are living? Yes, this is the critical question of, of the time. Look at what has happened in the COVID lockdown situation that so many people, including myself, 
who were only teaching in the communities that they lived in or spaces that they visited, you know, the festival here or, you know, the retreat there that like now all of a sudden were able to broadcast onto the World Wide Web and make it more accessible. That's one. Two is the healthy use of social media. I'm seeing just, you know, so much, especially on Instagram, of um, amazing resource sharing um, amongst like the BIPOC healing community and the healing justice community. And it's just like lit every day. And it's just such a source of positivity. But remember, you got to curate your feed (laughs) to to be that way. But it's there, like hashtag black yogis, you know, like hashtag healing justice, just like throwing in some hashtags, you know, And, and, and it's really easy to kind of start finding you know, these people, because that's the, <laughs> that, that network, like use your social media networking in a healthy network. way. I basically want to like turn on my, my Instagram mm-hmm. and I want to be inspired to speak to the rest yeah. of your question is like, the thing to keep in mind is we're not there yet. We've just started a transformative process that will take some time. And so, yes, many of us are still stuck at my job wants me to put in 40 hours a week still. I have to be on the Zoom 40 hours as we clocked this sort of exhausting model and then yet insert children in home also and facilitating school. And it is sending people over the edge. That is when we must, must, must take those yoga nidra breaks. Because remembering like yoga nidra as a technique is short for a powerful impact. And all you have to do in the style of, of yogic transformation is wash, rinse, repeat. You don't need hour nidras. You don't need 45 minute nidras. You need 20 mm. minutes. Guess what? You're allowed to take breaks. You're allowed, but you have to take them if you're stuck in the world that has less maneuverability. Mm. And then it is about your daily hygiene. I love everything in 20 minute chunks. <laughs> 20 minute workout. 20 minute nap, 20 minute nidra, 20 minute play, 20 minutes of gardening, like 20 minutes is my jam, you know, and that definitely works also for my stage of of life. I don't need 45 minute workouts, and so you have to work also with your stage and your level of depletion. I know it's different for parents of multiples. I can, I can testify, I can testify to that. (laughs) And so you have to keep the goals manageable. It's about resources, representation. It's true. And I think, you know, my experience with Nidra is the body takes what the body needs. So if what, when the first, however many times you lay down your mat and you do your Nidra, all you do is nap, like, that is what the body needs right Right. and then you can move into the space of actually you know uh creating space and a different dimension of having this kind of sacred dreaming of being able to kind of lucidly maneuver and and intentionally bring forth these things but really probably what most of us need is real deep rest and and restoration and so the more we can give our bodies and our minds and our hearts the opportunities to experience that the better resource we're going to be for this new paradigm. Absolutely. We're not in the new paradigm yet. We're in a a glorified Mm -hmm. transition period. And so what will be helpful are things like meeting yourself where you are, 
cultivating present moment consciousness. So much anxiety lives in future worry. But if we just hold ourselves, like we're in the hurricane, so put yourself in the eye. But I do want to say just one thing that like the practices themselves, why the call for, which was how you and I initially crossed paths in UMA and team's work with the eradication of, 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 of abuse and systems of hierarchy yeah. and yoga, we absolutely do need the matrilineal yoga mm. teachings because what we have right now is um, an industry that's dominated by patriarchal teachings, literally teachings for men whose goals are performative and the goal isn't um, restorative. So the teachings for women, but also the teachings that have been passed through the female lineage, keep in mind, they're not just for Mm -hmm. women. They are for all. Because remember, gender is a fluid spectrum. But this narrative has been so co-opted by the self-hypnosis bypass crew and their performative outcome, which is false ascension, that it's actually created a huge problem where you've got performative white women telling women of color, well, you just need to rest. And it's like, yeah, but I can't rest because it could be my end because of of survival so see we have so much work in this intermediary part right now to do and the framework is anti-racism and that's the framework but it's an avoidance practice Mm -hmm. to not do that work it's not a coincidence Mm -hmm. that we've initiated this changing of the world's process we've actually been in this process for um god since like the late 90s to be honest with you but it was subtle Mm -hmm. what has come in 2020 it's fully grossified and there's even more to come Mm -hmm. to be honest with you but now that we can't avoid it that 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 these shadow spaces are being illuminated and and it's ugly and it's disgusting it's vomitously ill it's retching, you know, no, those are all visceral body responses that are actually healing. Mm. Crisis brings us to that point. And you described that so beautifully in your own motherhood journey. It was crisis that brought you that deepest healing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what we're experiencing on the collective now. And so just to bring this juicy conversation to a close, Um, For women who are listening to this conversation and are feeling into what you're describing, this knowing that we're on the brink of something, that we're in a moment of transition and that we're needing to really resource ourselves. Aside from rest, aside from this space to actually dream and to bring in this ancient wisdom and technologies and activate those things, is there anything that you would gift to mothers who are navigating this? reality right now guess what moms so many mothers have walked before us like you will traverse whatever are the obstacles Mm. like you will figure it out and if you tap into that body technology if you go within and listen like our ancestors are walking this path with us our guides our protectors, I mean, 
the whole universe is here with us at this time we're so resourced it's crazy um, and so you have to believe though yeah you have to believe that 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 it's possible but i mean damn if you <laughs> could grow a baby <laughs> and birth a baby however your sacred birth expressed itself you could do this Ashay, I feel that. And I thank you. I thank you for all of your wisdom, for sharing your experiences with us and your knowledge in a way that we can really feel into, you know, yes. not in this, in the ways that we've been so used to and conditioned to, to hear and to accept things, but in this real tingling body. I feel it too. <laughs> <laughs> sensory way and it's just inspiring to me I I always say this is the beginning of this podcast journey it's the beginning of my soul mama journey it's the beginning of my motherhood journey I feel like I'm at the beginning of so many crossroads and I'm just so grateful for the women who I'm calling into this conversation because these are the way keepers these are the light showers you know and I feel that so I'm so grateful for that connection for people who want to find more and connect with you outside of this conversation where can they find you um you can check out my website uh yoga with yoli.com and dub 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 and then uh instagram is at yoli yogini i'm cooking up all sorts of things right now but it really is very much centering in on this um matrilineal women's teachings um for all that that i i call tantra for women and um, I wanted to go deep into Tantra. That was my intention for this conversation. But obviously, Spirit had different views. I know. <laughs> with our urban farms, like wherever. wherever. Oh, I definitely just feel you on all of the work that you're putting out into the world. Thank you for your commitment to this path and for just embodying in such a beautiful way these teachings and this knowledge and really reflecting that back. You know, this is the time for the inner guru and it's the time for self-activation and for deep rest. I'm feeling into that more and more each day. So thank you, Yoli. Thank you. So one of the things I really wanted to do this season was to join up actual healing tools with the conversations that we have on this podcast. So, you know, like at the end of a TV program where they come up with a sign that says, if you've been affected by any of the themes that have been raised on this program, then please go to. Well, that's what I can do. The whole mission with the Soul Mama journey is to link you to more tangible ways to explore your own path of healing. So if you've listened to this episode and you've been inspired to try Yoga Nidra, or maybe you've tried Yoga Nidra before, but you'd like to listen to a version from Yoli, then go onto my website, www.soulmamajourney.com forward slash podcast. Yoli has a special Nidra that she recorded live on a retreat in California. It's called The Words That Come Before All Else, and it's an indigenous nidra that ties in sacred storytelling from the Seneca tribe. If you click on Yoli's episode, you will see a link to this and all of the other references that we've mentioned in the show notes there. I really hope you enjoy it. Happy resting. Thank you so much for listening. 
Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmamacoach for more personal shares and updates, and you can email me at nahanda at soulmamajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.